Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Good morning, church. Today's Bible reading is taken from Selected Proverbs. When I'm done reading, I will say this is the word of the Lord, to which you respond by saying, thanks be to God. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. All who are prudent act with knowledge, but fools expose their folly. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your heads, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Like a snow-cooled drinker, harvest time is a worthy messenger to the one who sends him. He refreshes the spirit of the master. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Don. (laughs) All right, good morning, everyone. Sorry, I actually missed the reading. That's not good. But the good thing is that I know what she read. All right, so welcome. Uh, Welcome, everyone. Um, If you're here with us for the first time, if you've not been here for a while, so happy to have you. We have been doing a series where um, on... um, on things that it takes for us to thrive, to, to, work, to work and thrive in tough times, in tough environments like we find ourselves. So it's not just working. Yeah, we work, but how do we thrive? Does the Bible have anything to say about it? And I think the Bible has a huge lot to say about it, and we'll be particularly centered on the book of Proverbs, even though we've looked at verses from other places. Okay, so we want to continue Uh, doing that, let's just ask God uh, for his help before we continue. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that the things that you used to instruct us do not come from human wisdom. They don't come from our own imaginations. Lord, they come from your throne of grace. And it is from that throne of grace that you're able to give us grace in a time of need. Father, I sense that there are many here who, particularly when it comes to this issue, are in a time of need. May your grace be available for them this morning. Let that grace, O God, be available to change. Let it be available to correct us and to instruct us in the right way. But let it also be there to empower us, O God, to do the things that you have commanded through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 
in 2007, I got acquainted with a British um, business reality TV show. It's called Dragon's Den. I know I think there's a Nigerian version of it. Uh, but for those of us who don't know it, it's a, it's a show where people, um, it puts budding entre entrepreneurs in a room with um, multi-million dollar investors, right? And the idea is that as they make their pitch to them, um, uh, they, they make a pitch so that they can get investment and in turn they give them a stake in the business, okay? So um, in 2007, you know, I started watching it and it was very fascinating. You know, there are lots of people that come with crazy ideas, right? Ideas that will not stand any water. The business, the investors, they scrutinize. Eventually, they leave with nothing. But there are some people that then come up with, you know, well-oiled uh, pitches and they're eventually able to get some investment and they leave. But you also had a few of the, some odd kind of people that didn't really totally fit the, um, the mode that I just, any of the two modes I just uh, described. One I remember is a guy called Levi Roots. Levi Roots um, came in. He was uh, asking for 50,000 uh, pounds for 20% stake in his business. What is his business? His business was a barbecue sauce called reggae, reggae sauce. And I remember the way he came in. You know, he came in with a guitar. He was, his, his main, the motivation for his pitch for this business was him, he said, he sang it actually. He had written a song for it. The guy was charming. He was one of these people that was so disarming without being too forward. You know, funny, but not over, uh, you're not speaking longer than he had to speak or not cracking a joke like five times after, you know, people get tired of it. And so everything was going well. You know, the dragons were all, you know, fascinated with this guy. And so they then started a little bit of scrutiny. And they started asking him questions. And that's when everything started going down. All of a sudden, the guy started sweating. His math was bad. In fact, one of the orders he said that he already had, he had misunderstood that order by a factor of 1,000. That is like if somebody says, we want to order 500 liters of milk, you think that that was 500. 100,000 liters of milk. That bad. Right? And so things weren't going very well. And, you know, a few of the dragons pulled out. And then one of them eventually, actually, well, two of them eventually said, you know what? There's just something about you. And I think I am, in their words, I am willing to take, how did they put it? I want to quote, take a huge gamble. We are taking a huge gamble on you. Both of them brought in 25,000, and he eventually left that place. Levi Roots is probably the most successful story out of Dragon's Den, UK, probably out of all the Dragon's Den. From what I know, he's worth about $60 million today. Now, the question I want to say, ask, and it was not the question, but something about that interview taught me a lesson from that time. It's a lesson that I still hold on to now, and I still tell a lot of people. And what is that? Because I want to tell you what that, I don't know whether to call it a secret. It's not a secret, but it's something that a lot of us don't really think about when we think about investment or people investing in us. And this is the lesson. Investors mainly invest in people, not ideas. Investors mainly invest in people, not ideas. So what should you do? Invest in yourself. 
You see, the sad thing is that too many people aren't aware of this. And because of that, they don't invest in the most critical asset to their business or to their career advancement, which is what? Themselves. And the truth is, if you don't continue or constantly develop as a person, you will not distinguish yourself among the crowd. And the interesting thing about this is that it's not just the market that is saying that. The book of Proverbs is actually telling us that in many places. Remember we said that the book of Proverbs gives us principles in general that work in God's created order. They're not promises, but they're principles that work in general and all things being equal in God's created order. And the book of Proverbs speaks to how we can improve on ourselves so that we can thrive in the way God intends. How are you doing with that? Well, that's what this whole seven today is going to be about. I've been praying very much about it, to be honest. Um, I'm praying not just that we come and we hear something that we think is nice, but most especially that we hear something that God is telling us so that we can actually align ourselves with him. And so that's why we titled it Personal Development and Self-Discipline. Personal Development and Self-Discipline. And honestly, I'm praying that at the end of this, that you will go back equipped, but also inspired to do the hard work and the rewarding work of improving yourself so that we can serve people and serve God in the way he intends. Amen? All right, so let's start. Personal development and self-discipline. Three points, the task of self-improvement, the foundation for self-improvement, and the freedom for self-improvement. Okay, so let's start going because uh, I have a lot to say. All right, so let's start. Task of self-improvement. Now, children of Israel, when God delivered them out of Egypt, right, through Moses, eventually God took them through the Red Sea. Parted the Red Sea, fantastic victory, Pharaoh and his chariots go in. But God was taking them somewhere. So eventually, he took them to, the Mount, to Mount Sinai, where he gave them Ten Commandments. He made a covenant with them. And he was taking them to a promised land. But there was still something he needed to do to make them his people. You know what that was? He had to dwell among them. So he told Moses, build me a sanctuary so that I can dwell among you. He gave the pattern for the building of that sanctuary to Moses. Yes. But even though he gave the pattern to Moses, he contracted the building to somebody else. And that person is a guy called Bezalel. And he had, um, um, uh, what do you call, an assistant called Oholiab. Look at what he says about, God says, uh, Moses said to the Israelites concerning him. He said, Moses said to the Israelites, this is Exodus 5, 31. Moses said to the Israelites, see, Yahweh the, uh, has chosen Bezalel of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and, notice, with all kinds of skill. Now, after that, in 36 verse 2, Moses then summons Bezalel himself and Aholiab, his assistant, because they weren't going to do the work alone. This is what he then says. Then Moses summoned the Bezalel and Aholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work, to come and do the work. We have a huge problem of unemployment in this city and in this nation. We do. 
let's not kid ourselves. People are looking for jobs. People don't have jobs, right? We have a huge problem of unemployment. However, that always doesn't tell the full story. There is another underlying bigger problem that a lot of people don't talk about. But if you speak to a lot of employers, they will tell you in secret. That while we have a problem with, uh, with the unemployed, we have a big problem with the unemployed, it's really because we have a problem with the unemployable. So many people are unemployed because many people are what? Unemployable. Many um, employers will tell you about how they, they, they did an interview, 500 people came, eventually they were, short, they were left with three people, and of those three people, they weren't even excited. The person that they took, the two people that they took, they just, well, let's just try. Within six months, they fired them. In other words, why? It's because they couldn't do the job. If you are going to distinguish yourself, the one thing that you need, at least one of the things you need in this particular environment where you have so many people unemployable, is this, distinguish yourself with skill. We need to be more skillful to distinguish whether it's our business or our work from just everybody else. Notice, it says that Oholiab and Bezalel had what? Skill. The people that they had to work with them were skillful people. They didn't get everybody. Not everyone was contracted this thing, Oholiab and Bezalel, and skilled people with them. Let me tell you, I worked, uh, one of the um, places I worked in a while ago was a business where we were selling a kind of uh, product to manufacturing companies, right? So it was, it was a high-end product. And there was this guy in our sales team. The sales team were about three, four people. This guy in our sales team, I won't lie, his attitude wasn't always great. He might not always tell the truth. You know, he was very sneaky. He's a salesman, but you know, he was very sneaky like that and all that. And he rubbed people off the wrong way. And people used to complain, complain. At one point, I was the EA to the MD, and then I became a business development person. And people used to complain. And we all knew, we all knew that this man is, is like this. We never contemplated firing him. You know why? He brought in 90% of sales to that company. Whatever your complaint about him is, we too we know. We are, we are okay with it. 90% is like, oh God, you, your, your, your good attitude, your old complaint, what are you bringing? What are you bringing? Please just go. I have never seen an employer that found it very difficult to fire somebody that was very skilled. I'm sorry, that found it very easy to fire somebody that was very skilled. Even the ones with bad attitude. It's hard. I'm not saying they don't eventually. Maybe after you have slapped him three times and they've given you three warnings. But when you are very skilled, it is very difficult to fire the person. Especially when sales are very high. Listen to Proverbs 22, verse 29. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. We have to distinguish ourselves with the skill that we bring to our work. Amen? And I want to quickly make a very important distinction. It is not the gifts that got them the job. It was their skill. You notice it was the skill that got them to do the work. 
Gifts get you noticed, but skills get you working. Now, you must make that distinction because in Proverbs 18, verse 16, it tells us what a gift does. Gifts, a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. A gift opens the door for you, but it is the skill that gets you the job. In other words, a gift can get you the interview, but it is your skill that actually gets you the job. A gift can bring you into, into the place of probation, but your confirmation is based on the skill that you bring to the job. So what is the difference? Let me explain a little bit of theological excursus. Let's take what it means to be a Christian. When you become a Christian, you put your faith in Christ. What happens then is that you receive the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, he gives you new life. He literally makes you a new human being, right? Are we together? If anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. So you're a new creation because the Holy Spirit gives birth to you again, all right? That Holy Spirit that gives birth to you, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and 11, that he gives you gifts. For what purpose? To serve the common good of the new creation community, the church. Are we still following? This new life, this new human being, is giving gifts to serve the common good of the new creation humanity, the church, right? And those gifts are only good or only used, or those gifts are only good, they are not useless, when they are used to serve. So 1 Peter 4.10, look at what 1 Peter 4.10 says. It's not just enough to have the gifts, but the gifts are given for self, this. If each of you should use whatever gift you have received, the gift that you've received, use it to what? Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. In other words, the gifts are useless if they are not used for service. Amen. Amen. It is the skillful deployment of the gifts that brings the common good of humanity. Or else, you will not be sought after. You can have all the gifts. If we've not seen those gifts bless us, we will not be looking for you. Now, that pattern that you see in the new creation is the pattern that actually follows the pattern of the old creation. That is when God created human beings and gave us life, normal life. You know what he did? He gave us talents or gifts. But if you don't skillfully deploy those talents or, those talents or gifts, you have not demonstrated skill. You will not be sought after. In other words, there is a transition to make from of your gifts to your skills. So how do gifts become skills? I'm glad you asked. The way they become skill, uh, skills is the way bully, you know bully, is the way bully emerged from plantain. How, does, how do you turn plantain to bully? Eh? Fry it. Who's, who's that bush person here? <laughs> Huh? You roast it. So you apply heat in a particular way. Remember, because frying, frying to plantain is what? <laughs> frying to plantain is dodo. Dodo and bolly are not the same thing. All right? So both of them, you apply heat. But this one, you apply direct heat without any medium. With dodo, you put it in oil. Right? What do you call the one you put in water? Boil plantain. No, no. Doesn't have any good name. Anyway, back to bolly. Now, notice what the bully, when you apply the heat to the plantain, you get bully. What you don't get is plantain and heat. The heat comes to transform what was already there into something that looks like it, but it is now a new thing. Amen. Amen. 
what you need to be able to take the gift to a skill is something that transforms it. And what transforms your gift to skill is what? Knowledge. Knowledge. We're all blessed with gifts, but what turns it into the kind of skill that is sought after is the knowledge that improves us. Sadly, the problem is too many people dream of gaining their desires. I just want to be this. I want to be this. And yet, they don't want to go through the pain of self-improvement. Look at uh, Proverbs 19 verse 2. It says, desire without knowledge is not good. Keep having the desire. If you don't put knowledge in it, it doesn't work out for any kind of good. Amen. So we need to be able to apply knowledge. Now, that leads us to two things, or at least it implies two things. And I want to, the first one has to do with a hard disposition. The second one has to do with what we do with our hands and with our mind. So the first one, if it requires knowledge, then the first thing is this. You must be teachable. Now, this is the state of the heart. Notice something. Remember Holiab, uh, Bezalel and Oholiab? It says that, they were meant to get some people who are skilled, Abby. Now, you would think that, oh, those people already had the skill to be able to do these things. You'll be wrong. Because look at Exodus. I want to show you something in Exodus 35, verse 34. It says, and he has given him, that's um, Bezalel, and Oholiab, the son of us, uh, uh, of the tribe of Dan. Right? What does he say he gave them? The ability to do what? To teach others. Those people had gifts. Go back to verse 36, chapter 36, verse 2. It says that oh, uh, uh, Moses summoned Bezalel and Holiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability. They had ability. But the ability was not going to turn into useful skill until they were taught by Bezalel and Holiab. Are you understanding? But that also will presume, because these people wasn't everyone, it will, it will presume that these are people that were willing to be taught by those two men. Teachability is critical to have for those wanting to, uh, for those wanting to improve or to make a definite impact. But you know the problem we have today is that many people want discussion. They don't want instruction. Proverbs 23, 12, look at what it says in Proverbs 23, 12. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to, the, to words of knowledge. Apply what? Your heart. In other words, teachability is a matter of the heart. It says apply your heart to instruction and your ears to, the wor to words of knowledge. In other words, ears that receive knowledge are always connected to hearts prepared for instruction. Show me somebody that is willing to listen. I will tell you the disposition of their heart. Show me somebody that is not willing to listen, that argues with you, even though you have much more experience uh, 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 than them, and you will tell you somebody who is not teachable. I don't want to ask you just, do you have a mentor? I want to ask you, are you mentorable? Are you submissive to sound advice? Or every time somebody that has 20 more years experience comes and tells you something, you know what you say? I think I'll think about it. Go ahead and think about your failure as you go on. 
This thing is a heart issue. Let me ask you, what is your reading habit like? Should I add, what is your reading habit like and what is your hanging out at night life like? Let's hold the two of them in parallel. Because let me tell you this, eh? those who aren't reading constantly, there are two things. The first one is this. If you're not reading constantly, you're basically saying, I don't need much self-improvement. I'm OK the way I am. I'm OK the way I am. But you're also saying something that is even deeper, far deeper. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you are not reading constantly, you know what you are telling me? The place I have come to, I'm satisfied with it. I don't see myself succeeding beyond this other place. Because if I saw myself succeeding beyond this place, I would be building capacity to handle the growth that is going to come after. So if you are not building capacity right now for the growth that you are hoping you will get, what are you telling me? You are telling me that you don't plan to succeed. Guess what? If you don't plan to succeed, you won't succeed. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it all comes from a heart issue. Where is your heart in terms of learning? It's not first everybody's telling you you need to improve. Everybody hears that. Are you doing the job of trying to improve? Are you turning your gifts into skills that will distinguish you? So be teachable. But the second thing is, if you are going to be teachable, then what do you do with your mind and your heart? Aim for expertise. Aim for expertise. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? You know, sometimes among people who are, um, uh, you call them the, the, I'm into many things, people. You know what? Uh, what are you doing now? There are many things. I'm, I'm, I'm in between. I'm many. You know, that person, no work, there's no... So one of the things about these many things, people, is this. They like buzz and sexy words. So you hear fintech. They are doing fintech. What does it mean? They are not even sure, but they are into fintech. You hear FX trading. They are running into FX trading. What do you know about FX trading? It looks sexy because there's a guy with a computer, and he's, the money is working for him, and I saw this video... Uh, or it was a YouTube ad though, or Facebook ad. Somebody said, stop, wait. If you are in Nigeria, you understand? So you saw that one. It's like, oh, did you see the car behind that guy? FX trading. You ask them what it is all about. They don't fully understand. <laughs> and by the time you put them under some level of scrutiny, just to say, so this FX trading, how, what is the... FX trading, what is the percentage margin that you get on each transaction? I don't know what, 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 what is that? It's because if you are making 0.005%, how much money then are you going to make when you invest $100? Let me tell you, 5p. How many basis what? <laughs> many times, once you put them under scrutiny just like that because they don't have understanding, you know what they do? They just expose their folly. This is what Proverbs 13 verse 16 says. All who are prudent act with knowledge, but fools expo expose their what? Their folly. This is why many people I find sometimes they are evasive. Certain kinds of people are evasive when you just ask them what their business is about or what their job is about. Why? Because they don't want to expose their folly under scrutiny. What you don't need to do is to be running away from people. What you need to be doing is to be aiming for expertise. To know exactly what you are doing. 
I'll never forget, the first place I worked almost 20 years ago, it was um, a telecoms, um, they were one of the largest telecoms um, suppliers, right, in, in, in Nigeria, actually, office in Lagos and in Port Harcourt. The MD, right, whenever you see the MD, there was one thing I always noticed he said. The one thing I noticed he said, he says, you just see the MD. Where is Dakpo? Two days and next, you see him again. Where is Dakpo? Another three days after, where is Dakpo? I said, who is this Dakpo? Do you know who Dakpo was? Dakpo. Now, there was the MD. Then from the technical side, there was the group, uh, not the group, uh, the, the head of technical. Then the head of technical had two GMs of technical, in, one in Lagos, one in uh, Port Harcourt. Then under that GM, he had a number of heads, right, under the technical, the different technical parts, right? He had that. Then under one of them is where Dapo was. I am not sure he knew the names of some of those heads under the GMs. Dapo was the guy who knew everything. He had all the, cert all the certifications that were needed. He had enough product, product knowledge beyond his peers and his bosses. He was not an ogre yet. He had only spent about a year plus in the place. The MD did not play with Dakpo. Dakpo had distinguished himself with expertise in a way that he was sought after. You will serve among kings. That's what he says. In your line of work, I'm not talking about you have God has given you a line of work, certain kind of gifts, you know, but now you're saying, but they said it's telecoms, but they said it's effects. No, in your own. Aim for what? Expertise. Let me ask you, how are you investing in yourself? Are you taking relevant courses? Are you gaining the right experience? Or you are investing too much in weekend trips? For many of us, your race is not to be the best in the industry or to be best in your, in your organization. Your race is just to be the best that you can be. Many of us are not performing at the best that we can be. Can you, make, can you make it a goal, a challenge to say, Lord, I am determined to, to, to overuse the capacity that you are giving me. What I will not stand is to behave or to underutilize the capacity that you've given me. If you do that, I can tell you, many of you, if you win on that race, that is what will distinguish you. That is what will make you serve with kings. Amen? Amen. Be teachable and aim for expertise. Second, the foundation for self-improvement. Some of us, um, I've said, I've used his name here a few times, but if you don't know, you know the person called Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was a, one of the greatest basketball players who sadly, um, uh, former basketball player who sadly passed away um, in a terrible helicopter accident in January last year. Now, during the, and I was a fan of basketball, I am a fan of basketball. So during Kobe Bryant's uh, playing career, I didn't really, I didn't like him. I didn't root for him, because I rooted for other players. I also rooted for other teams. So I didn't like Kobe the player. I didn't like Kobe the player. However, in his retirement, I really started to like him because it wasn't Kobe the player that was now in front of us. It was Kobe the teacher. Kobe the teacher. He taught about the details of basketball in a way that I had never really understood before. He had some shows on that. But more importantly, you know what he taught that really captivated me? And this is partly why I was so moved when he died. 
One of the things he taught was the principles of what it really took to succeed. The principle, in fact, you would say one principle, of what it really takes to succeed. And you know what that is? Discipline. Or self-discipline. Kobe had a crazy regiment. From what I know, he probably, I think he used to sleep around 8, between 8, 8.30 in the morning, uh, in the evening, woke up around 4, did his first workout till about 6, 6.30, got shower ready, and then had breakfast with his family. He did school runs. He would drop his daughters, then he'll go back. He'll have some small business meetings. Then he'll now go and do workout again. His early afternoon, uh, 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 late morning workout. But then he'll have lunch, I think, with his wife. Then he will, after that, he will attend some business meetings. Then he will do a late afternoon or early evening workout. And then he will have time with his family, dinner and all of those things, watch movies. And by 8 o'clock, he's gone back to bed again. Very disciplined. Now, maybe we all don't, cannot have Kobe's regiment, but we can have his discipline. And yet, it is this self-discipline that so many people who want success sadly do not want to have. Look at Proverbs 12, verse 1. Uh, sorry, uh, Proverbs, I've skipped something. Yeah, Proverbs, sorry, 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But whoever hates correction is stupid. I hope there are no stupid people here. I didn't call you to you, um, you know what I mean. You see, because if you are teachable and you are trying to improve yourself, one thing that always comes is correction. But he's saying that, you see, the ability to receive the knowledge is tied to discipline. Or look at the, another one that says almost the same thing. In Proverbs 15, verse 32, those who disregard discipline despite, oh my God. Are you hearing this? Those who disregard discipline despise themselves. But, who hate, but whoever hates correction gains understanding. It is not, the Bible is not trying to say, oh, I just love myself, you know. You have songs that tell you that you love yourself. He's saying this, you don't love yourself if you are not a disciplined person. He said you despise yourself. Simple. Why? Because it's saying that you are not setting yourself for the platform to succeed. You don't like yourself enough to succeed because if you did, you would like discipline. Listen to me. Discipline is the bedrock for the development of skills. Those skills and expertise that we spoke about, the bedrock, the foundation that enables you to develop it comes with self-discipline. If you are not disciplined, you will not make the necessary adjustment for correction. In other words, you won't read the books that you bought. How many of those books that you bought have you read yet? You are still on the introduction and the preface. You won't complete those courses that you paid for. You won't have questions for your mentors. You, you start thinking about stupid questions. What should I, you know? Because you were indisciplined, you didn't prepare. And so on account of that, you will not get, have the gains. You will just be attending conferences here and there. And you still learn nothing. You just have uh, lanyards, and you have all this pali pali, and you just be putting them somewhere. Nothing has happened because there is no discipline to be able to unearth the skill development that those things bring. Are you following me? Self-discipline is required to guarantee. It is required to guarantee the continuous investment that is needed to make you skillful. That's why some people, in some ways, will almost think of self, the components of self-discipline as skills themselves. 
components of self-discipline, so I see them as skills. So let me give you three of them to help us. There is not, there are more than three, but let me focus on this thing, well, focus on this thing. The first one is focus, the second one is resilience, and the third is dependability. Focus, resilience, and dependability. What's focus? Focus is the quality of giving concentrated attention to, along with the resolve for accomplishing a certain task without distraction. Let me say it again. It is the quality of giving concerted attention to, concentrated attention to, along with the resolve for completing a certain goal without distractions. Once again, this is not a quality that is celebrated among so many people. You know, there are many people you meet, I'm sure you've met. They have the business idea, some, something they told you about it, they had this pitch, you meet them 18 months after what happened, uh, the business has failed. Why did the business fail? You know, because the first time they came and they told you, ah, come and buy this, my jollof rice, come and buy this, you ate it and be like, this thing isn't really good. Or come and patronize my uh, logistics, uh, can I, I will deliver, do you have any goods to deliver? You say, okay, fine. When will you deliver tomorrow? Three days after is when they delivered. So eventually, the business falls. This is what Proverbs says. In Proverbs, uh, um, uh, what's this? Proverbs 18, verse 9. It says, one who is slack in his work is brother to the one that destroys. Are, are you getting that? He's saying slackness, providing shoddy services, providing shoddy products, Actually, he has a twin brother, destruction. So why do you think you are fired? Some people, with all the things that they say they are fired, after you, you, their father got them a job, they lasted three months. Then their sister got them a job, they lasted two months. Then their auntie got them a job, that one they did better, they lasted four months. Because the job was always shoddy, 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 shoddy. Or the business folds. He's saying because we are slack. But do you know where slackness comes from? Slackness is a direct result of someone who lacks focus. Slackness comes when you want to complete something very quickly. Let's just, yeah, now. He'll be like, but this thing isn't, hey, what is, is it not working? It's working. Just put it forward now. Because they lack the focus to actually bring about something that is excellence. Is this you? Right now, even now, it is hard to have, with many people I find, it's hard to have a, 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 an extended conversation about important things because people's attention span is so, so short. But notice what Proverbs 27 verse 23 says. He said, I love this one. He says, be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Be sure to know it. Let them ask you about the, your, your flocks. You know, that, one, that one has a spot there. Those ones are there have the spot. This other one is a bit sick. This other one. What does that person tell you that knows the condition of their flock? You know what he tells you? He says what? Be careful. Give careful attention to your head. Attention to detail. And you only get attention to detail when you do what? Focus. So how do we get it? How do we get focus? Well, let me give you a, a quick tip. There is a sermon on focus in, at the end of 2017. You can go and listen to that. But very quick tip. Kobe Bryant says, the biggest mistake we make in life, you know what it is? He said, it's thinking that we have enough time. 
The biggest mistake we have in life is thinking that we have time. And you say, ah, why are we quoting Kobe Bryant? Okay, look at verse 24 of that, please. Verse 24. It says, after he says that, be careful to, be sure to know the condition of your flesh, give careful attention to your health. Kobe was right. He says what? For riches do not endure what? Forever. And a crown is not secure for all generations. Do you want to be able to be somebody that has focus? You know what you need to do? You need to have the mindset that time is not your friend. You need to have the mindset that a lot of achievements have expiry dates to them. You are not, I want to tell in a very kind way, you are not as young as you think you are. Time is going. When we have this, the time isn't always their mindset. You know what you do? You end up not having time for distractions. The reason we have so much time for distractions is there is no sense of urgency because we feel that there is always time there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say now that if you have not achieved some of your dreams, that time, ah, you now say, eh, maybe time has expired for me. No. I'm saying for you to focus, you need to have a sense of urgency. Amen. If you develop focus and provide, uh, develop uh, focus, you provide a platform to improve your skills. All right, let's run. Resilience. Now, one of the things we also know about Lagos is that the ease of doing business in Lagos it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty difficult. It's hard, right? I, I, the, the measurement for that. It is. You know, you can, it's like things are set up for you to fail. Maybe you began, you are about to begin a, a, a business and the investor just checked out at the last minute. Or you started a thriving logistic business and a government policy shut it down. Or you had a wonderful boss that was developing you and the new one isn't that into you. The setback, one setback after another, it's as though it is crushing you. And so now you have given up. Have you ever seen, I'll say, have you ever seen, you know this rubber band that um, children normally wear? This rubber band, right? Children normally, it's only children that wear it. I don't know why Dami still keeps wearing it. Right? What do you know about rubber bands? If you, if you, if you stretch a rubber band, what does it do? And you leave it, it expands. Then if you leave it, what does it do? Huh? It what? It contracts, it comes back to place. Resilience is having the capacity to quickly recover from difficulties, just like an elastic band. Now this is a, a prime quality to have that a lot of people don't. When you've gone through a setback, how do you come back from it? The people that are able to come back from it are those who have resilience. And do you know why I say that it's a prime commodity? Because don't forget the ease of doing business and the difficult work terrain that is in Lagos, is affecting your suppliers and is also affecting your bosses too. Do you understand? They too are going through it. So they too are trying to find resilience. So if they have to start midwifing you, they are taking too much of their own time to get you to a resilient place when they've not even worked on their own selves. So in other words, if they can find somebody that is resilient, they know they don't have to waste their time on him or her. So in other words, you become a prime asset. How do you develop resilience? Quickly. It's all in Proverbs 18.16, and I'll say it in three ways. Proverbs 18.14, sorry. Proverbs, is it 18.14? Proverbs 18.14. Look at what it says. It says, the human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. Two things. It notices that, it acknowledges that we can be crushed. A crushed spirit who can bear. But notice the first part. It says a human, the human spirit can what? Endure in sickness. It can endure in sickness. We underestimate the enduring level of the human spirit. We underestimate it. 
So if you have that ability of endurance in you, you know many times we think, if you're like my son, uh, Timulay, Timulay in the morning, if, he, if it's 6.30 and they've not given him food, you know what he said? I'm hungry. If I don't eat now, I'm going to die. <laughs> now, the truth is that apparently, I think he can go hungry like that without any food for about seven days and he still won't die. Many times when we think we have lost all will and everything, you actually have more capacity in you. So how do you build this endurance? You build it mentally, you build it spiritually, you build it communally. You build it mentally. That is, in other words, you have to start speaking to yourself. The Psalms are always full of places where you say, Oh, my soul, do this. Speak to yourself. I know at this point this is how I feel, but I know I am better than this. I know this is how I feel. I feel like I can't get up, but I know I can endure this. Speak to yourself mentally. Second thing is this, because it's not just yourself. The person who wrote the scriptures, God who wrote the scriptures, is the one that gave you this truth. So you know what you should do? Pray to God about it. Pray to God, God, this is what you said in your word. Meditate about it, that I have this endurance. Grant me this endurance. Give me, strengthen my hands. Help me. Everything seems to have fallen apart, but God, I know that where there is a, 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 a casting down, you, there can be a lifting up. Ask God, meditate upon it because he says you have the endurance. That's number two. Number three is this. Surround yourself with people that are able to reinforce that enduring ability in you. It says that, uh, Proverbs 17, verse 17 says that, a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for what? A time of adversity. So I'm not saying you won't go through difficult things, but I'm saying the endurance that is in you that God has given is reinforced if you speak to yourself, talk about it, if you don't give up mentally, if you actually take it back to God as you meditate, but also have a company of people that are able to always reinforce it in you. This is how you build up resilience. The final one is dependability. My wife and I had somebody that worked for us domestically, and if you give that person an instruction, go and help us get this. After you say that, you have to say, I said get this not get this. You, you see what I'm saying? And then after that, when the person is going, you almost want to shout again. Don't forget that I said it is this other one or that. When you are the kind of person that keeps getting reminders after they give you instruction once, you know what you are? You are not dependable. Maybe your boss is not telling you that. Maybe uh, your suppliers aren't telling you that. Let me tell you secret or how they are telling you. They always send you reminders. Are you the kind of person that people send reminders? Oh, we are meeting at this place at 8 o'clock. You just said the meeting. Kind reminder. <laughs> A gentle reminder. Subtle. Subtle. You know all of these things. They are telling you that you are not what? Dependable. And here is the point, again, because I'm telling us about things that will enable us to thrive and distinguish ourselves among the common crowd. People don't know. They underestimate how important it, uh, it is to be dependable. If you don't believe me, ask your boss. But if you don't believe your boss, look at what Proverbs 25 verse 13 says. It says, like snow cool, cool drink at harvest time. Harvest time is a very hot time. Oh. Think about the last hot day that we had in, in this Lagos. If you take, what, what do you look for when, when, when the sun is knocking you? What do you look for? Cold drink. What does a cold drink feel like when you take it? Listen to what it says. It says, like snow cool drink at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger to the one who sent him. He refreshes the spirit of his master. When I have, look, those who look in, when you instruct someone, when you instruct somebody without having to always show the person the way, 
You know this kind of people where you say, Kunle, please, there's one, um, uh, I'm about to have a meeting with this per person. Uh, can you read the person's secretary and uh, blah, blah, set the meeting up, blah, and you never say anything. On that day, Kunle comes and tells you, all right, so you know you have a meeting at this point. You didn't remind him. You didn't ask him again. You didn't, what does that mean? Kunle is so dependable, he refreshes your soul. Many people are looking for the kind of suppliers that said, you will deliver. When are you meant to deliver? 10 o'clock. You are there by 9.30. Dependability. But most of us, we think we are doing them favors when we land at 11.30. I'm saying, I was, have, have I not brought it? I've brought it now. Have I not brought it? And that is the problem. That person that you think that, uh, 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 that your boss likes, that they like more than you, and they, because they came in after you in the company, they came in after you and under you. Now, within a year and a half, they're above you. You are now vexing. You are saying, my boss likes them more than me. Can I tell you a secret? It's true. They like them more than you. It's true. It's, it's not even a joke. And you bosses, you need to be able to tell them straight up, I like that person more than you. Why? Because that person is more dependable than you are. How do you build dependability? Very simple. Jesus tells us in Luke, well, not very simple, but one small one. Luke 16, verse 10 and 11. Luke 16, verse 10 and 11. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy again, because you see, dependability is the peak of usefulness because it is, it, it deepens trust. So he says, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Let me tell you, how do you build it? Be faithful with very little. Practice makes perfect. They gave you one small thing to do. One small thing to do. Do it well. Do it well and do it well. All of a sudden, you start having the ability of dependability. And then, notice what Jesus says. It enables them to give you more responsibility and more investment. You were faithful with little, so now you are not going to be what? They are going to, they are going to give you more. But if you were not, they start to take things away from you. You say, they, don't allow, they no longer allow me to do this job. They've taken this responsibility from me. And now you weren't faithful. Be dependable and separate yourself. Amen. So guys, what I'm saying is this. You need to develop skills. Yes, that's what distinguishes you. But the way you are going to guarantee, at least almost guarantee that you are actually developing this skill that distinguishes you is that you have to be self-disciplined. Are we together? Finally, the freedom for self-improvement. And let me quickly rush to this. Because some people are saying, actually, this isn't as helpful as you think. It's actually very, very unhelpful to me. Because while I understand, here's the problem. I actually don't think I'm that talented and gifted. In fact, after listening to you now, I feel less valuable. Because there are many more talented people around me, and therefore they are more skilled than I. Some other people are saying, you know what, I've tried so many times at self-discipline, but I keep failing. I keep failing. I said to my I do all of this, but I keep failing. And because of that, I too feel less valuable. In other words, what you are trying to tell me, and I understand it, is that your failure at these things is affecting your self-worth. But I need to tell you, what you need is actually to regain your self-worth. Because if you don't have that self-worth, I can understand, in trying to pursue these things, as you've already done, you are actually finding a bigger problem. You are actually feeling much less valuable than you are. And here is the key. 
you are not your abilities and you are not your discipline. Can I say that again? You are not your abilities and you are not your discipline. You are not your gift. You are not your skills. If you take that approach that says, I am those things, then rightly so, you will look at other people and you will think that they are more valuable than you if they are more successful than you are. And if you are more successful than others, if you take that framework, you will be arrogant and you will think that people are less than you. This is not how we measure our worth. When God created us, yes, he gave us talent, and, but notice this. He gave us infinite worth by creating us in his image before we had the chance to prove our skills. The, skills that, the chance to prove our skills from the gifts that he gave us. Yes, God gave us gifts, but have you ever seen a baby, a, baby that, a newborn baby that was, that was applying for a job? But yet that, that baby has worth because our worth is not tied to our gifts and abilities. Our worth is tied to the infinite worth that God has given to us by creating us in his image. And someone will say, well, I've heard all of that before. I still feel that I need to prove myself. I still feel that growth somehow has to be tied to my ability. That is not enough for me. Can I suggest to you that your problem isn't growth in skill and discipline? I understand that nagging feeling that you get. But your problem is not growth in skill and discipline. The problem you have is growth in God. Your departure from God creates a sense of worthlessness that you are now asking your abilities and your disciplines to compensate for, and they can never do that. Are you getting what I'm saying? There is a gaping hole that is in you that, you, that comes as a result of departing and moving away from God. And since only God can give that thing to you, you don't have it, so, but you are looking for it elsewhere. So you are working so hard. You are trying to improve yourself. But you see others are better than you, so you feel worthless. Or you have taken all those certifications, you have taken all those uh, exams, and you have passed all of them, and now you are doing very well, and so you think you are better than anybody else. But still, somehow, something is pulling and telling you that you really aren't. If you take on this kind of approach, if you think that you are doing very well, it's because your standards are too low. If you think that you are not doing well, it's because you end up being feeling worthless. So what do we do? Because believe me, if you want that favor before God, you cannot meet God's standards of self-discipline or you cannot meet God's standards of skill. He is the one that created the world. What measure of skill, what measure of discipline can you have that proves you before God? But if you are looking for value that is measured on merit, value that is measured on discipline, value that is measured on skill, can I suggest to you that there is still one place to find that? Oh, there is one person who grew. So he didn't just come with all the wisdom and all the knowledge that, that uh, from when he was a baby. He grew in stature. He grew in knowledge. When Jesus was being looked for by his parents, after three days, they forgot him in the temple. When they saw him in the temple, you know what they said? After three days, they found him in the temple because what was he doing? He was sitting among teachers. Was he talking back to them? No, he said, listening to them. Asking them questions. And as a result of that, he says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Maybe before, before all men, because he was better than them. But he said, it wasn't just in stature and wisdom before men, but what? In favor with God and man, Jesus grew. And in fact, he grew so much that he learned obedience perfectly. 
His obedience he learned in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 to 9. He said he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Ultimately, he was made perfect through the ultimate suffering when he went to the cross. He said he was made perfect through his own merit. None of us can claim to that. And so if you are looking for work that is based on merit, that is based on growth, can I suggest not to look to yourself? If you have departed away from God, God is saying there is a way you can actually live. There is a way you can have favor with me. And there is a way you do that is by looking to Jesus. So that when God looks at you, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God doesn't see you. He doesn't see your, 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 your lack of fulfilling the standards. He sees the merits of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because let me tell you this, though you are not worthy, when you are in Jesus, you are not worthless. You are worthy in him. All of us are unworthy, but we are not worthless. When we find Jesus, he gives us the worth that we need. I'm telling you, turn to Jesus. Find your worth in Jesus. When you do so, you will not try and prove yourself by the skills and disciplines that you have. But rather, he gives you the freedom, knowing that you have the worth that you need, to now pursue the skill development, to pursue self-discipline so that you don't use it to prove your work before God or before men, but you use it as a way of worship to God, as a way of serving people. We need the freedom to grow. We don't need the bondage that comes with trying to prove ourselves and then when we fail, we say, I'm not good enough. God has given us that freedom in Christ. Amen? And so if you have that freedom in Christ, you also now have the freedom to grow. I hope that we will be people who see the need to be more disciplined, who see the need to develop skill, but who see the need to first find our worth in the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church, love Jesus, love people, Love Lagos.